You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Freaking first cut. Oh, welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I am Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's RBC Heritage. And joining me to break it all down, it's Greg Ducharme. Hey, Greg. What's going on, Rick? Uh, here we go again. I feel like this is Friday night all over again. It's going to be the same, pretty much the same exact episode. Just us running around kind of saying, I told you so. Stuart Sink. At age 47, ends a 4,074-day drought since his last PGA Tour victory. He did that in September. And he, now he goes 217 days between this victory and his one in September at the Safeway Open. Greg, he does it with a final round 70. He ends up winning this by four shots over his closest chasers, Harold Varner III and Emiliano Grillo. Yeah, he he dominated, um, but just cruised. I mean, he he just cruised today, which was cool to see. It's all he had to do, and I really like that yeah. aspect about how the way that he played this round. And this is the advantage when you get into a Sunday round with this kind of a lead. This is why shooting 69 on Saturday, which Rick, you and I didn't talk about. We talked after he shot back to back 63s. And of course the tournament looks over then, but, but this is why you have, you have a good round on Saturday and this is exactly why you put so much pressure on these guys to make comebacks and they have to make really big charges. And some of them did Maverick McNeely shot what three or four under on the first nine. And he looked great. He's charging. And it, you're just, you're not, he shot uh, five under, he shot 31 going out and you just know he only has nine holes left. It's like he ran, he ran out of holes yeah. because Stewart's just so far ahead and he, and all he has to do is play um, conservatively at that point. So he's really in control and that's why it's so rare to lose a four shot lead on the PGA tour. I'm glad you mentioned Friday night because when we spoke on Friday night, Stuart Sink was 16 under par after starting with two rounds of 63. Well, I'll tell you what, Greg, 16 under par would have won this golf tournament, right? 15 right. under was what HV3 and Grio was at. So he was at the number he needed to be at on Friday night when we last chatted about this. He had to play two even par rounds to win this. And, and that cushion certainly comes in handy. But I'll tell you what, it, it was it was impressive. Greg. He was he was in control. He was dialed in. I don't remember a time on Sunday where I really thought and maybe this is because kind of what we'll talk about Morikawa in a second. But like I never thought this was not going to be a Stewart sink win. He never let this get out of control, even for a moment. Well, again, we we talked about this earlier in the week, I think on Friday. It may have been on Thursday, but on Friday, we talked about the advantage that he had of his experience and with his, having his son on the back, having his whole family at the event, I think was was very important. It was it, it kept things simple. They were able to stick to the task. They were able to stay relaxed. They were able to stay calm. And you never got that sense of, OK, this is. Like, like, like even at, at during the Masters it, with Hideki, you kind of got a feeling like this is things were moving a little fast for him after the tee shot at number one, after the shot at 15, the the couple of good breaks at 13 with Hideki um, in, in Masters. We kind of thought, hey, this this is like getting away. Things are moving a little bit quick. But with 
with Stuart Sink and his son Reagan, I never got that feeling. Everything felt really easy. It felt really simple. It felt like they were calm and collected. Um, and that's part of the reason why he never felt like it was in jeopardy. As we record this, he's going through the trophy ceremony, everything like that. And he has given us an all time photo here, Greg. Producer Jacob, I think, is going to pull this up here if you're watching on YouTube. Hopefully, I have not surprised him with this request. Maybe I have the story while we pull this up. The story uh, around Stuart Sink is certainly going to be longevity. Greg, he is 47 years old. Here it is. There we go. I vamped long enough. Look at this. Look at this guy. Oh, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have the tartan jacket on yet, though. He's, this is just the trophy. Uh, just the trophy. Jacket's <laughs> coming soon. Jacket coming wow. soon. So, that is quite a face. Yeah, it's it's going to be about longevity for for Stewart Sink. Obviously, we know he's forty seven years old. We know that uh, you know this is the first time a forty seven year old um, since Kenny Perry has won multiple times on the PGA Tour. But I, I love this stat. He is the tenth player to win a PGA Tour event after making six hundred or more official starts. This was his six hundred and tenth start, Greg. Which, first of all, it's crazy to get to that many starts on tour. It's even crazier to win one after that. Would you like to take a crack at anybody else on? this list guys who he's have the, won he's an the event. 10th guy to do it i was stunned that there were that many yes oh okay so uh, sam sneed would come to my, although he i don't know if he even played did sam is sam he's not i don't think he played enough he's not yeah, on the list not enough because he, he was in that strange time where the tour he played a lot before the tour even was yeah. officially the tour yeah um okay so sam sneed's out so i would guess vj singh would be a guy on my list no really yeah that's I'm telling shocking. you, this is a really great stat. Like, I love this list. It's okay. so good. Um, would Phil Mickelson be on the list? He would not be. Wow. This is crazy. I know. This is amazing. So guys that are 40, <laughs> is Jim Furyk on the list? Nope. Wow. All right, let me give you one. Yeah, I'll give you I, one. I got to right. get the one. Most, the most recent in his 602nd start, he just did it in Bermuda last year, was Brian Gay. Uh, yeah. I'm speechless. <laughs> I'm speechless. I'm thinking of guys who had success in their forties, um, who, who want like VJ. I'm I'm shocked that VJ isn't on the list. Yeah, here's the list. list. Brian Gay, Brian Gay, six hundred and second start. Davis Love the third did it in 2015. That was his 715th start. That's the latest start we've ever had a win. Mark Kalkovecki has done it twice. Brad Faxon, Peter Jacobson, uh, Craig Stadler, uh, Scott Hoke, uh, the Haller win, Haller win, excuse me, and Raymond Floyd rounds out the list. And wow. now Stewart Sink in his 610th career start uh, adds himself to that list. Pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, that is. As uh, the the other thing that comes out of this week for Stuart Sink, because it was essentially a you know multi day coronation, we got a lot of camera time for him, and we we saw this little putting stroke thing he's doing, Greg. And as as an instructor, uh, I'm going to try to describe this, and then you you got to tell me what we're looking at here. He's he's uh, balking at it. He's almost taking like a little warm up. Um, mini swings before he hits the i don't know how to describe this actual action that he has it is um it, it's very strange it's very unique i would put this into a category of a trigger so if you watch in the full swing uh henrik stenson okay this reminds me of henrik stenson's full swing where he has that move where he kind of crouches yeah. his knees he sinks a little bit and then he starts to he starts to turn before he actually turns 
Um, so that is that one right there is is very unique because it looks it looks very dare I say the word yippy. It looks like he's yip like he is having a hard time pulling the trigger. It looks like he's trying to right. It looks like he has the yips and he's trying to overcome that because I think he only does this on these short putts. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, which which is uh, very interesting, and I'd love to know what what is behind that if he was having a hard time taking it away and that helped if if he thinks the first couple of inches of a putt are so important um that he wants to get it right and he does a little a, a couple of rehearsals but this is just a move to get it going there there's clearly a little bit of a struggle struggle getting the swing getting the stroke started on these short ones most players will have a little bit of a forward press where their hands go forward and then they take the putter back most triggers are um are something in the opposite direction you move your body in the in the direction toward the target and then start the takeaway and that's a great way to get things started in the full swing in the putting stroke like you watch jordan speed there's a forward press and it's kind of a one if you if you make a stroke of one two three the one is the forward press two is the backstroke three is the forward stroke Um, and that's a it's a great way to get things started this is one i've never seen before but it clearly worked he did he had a great putting week too yeah, he was, uh, I didn't see what the final number was, but on Sunday through, I don't know, 12 or 14 holes, he had, it was like 19 feet of putts. Oh yeah. So it, it ended yeah. up being 32 feet. Okay. 32 whole, feet. Yeah. There was a point, <laughs> there was a point where the longest putt he made on Sunday was, was two feet, two feet, four <laughs> inches. So he ended up making 32 feet of, of putts. So he, it didn't get much, I, he didn't make really anything outside of that. Um, but he ended up T25 for the whole week and Sunday was definitely, I guess Saturday and Sunday were his two bad days on the greens when he didn't really have to make anything. The other stat that I like is Stuart Sink is going to move to the number 44 ranked player in the world on Monday morning. It's going to be his best ranking since September 12th of 2010. That was the week that he finished T21 at the BMW Championship, and he was ranked 35th in the world. DJ won that event, by the way, in case anyone out there was wondering. And Greg, for all the talk that we have about how great the young players are, on the PGA tour and how ready they are when they come up. It feels like the old guys are getting better too. I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, I mentioned Brian Gay winning earlier this year. We've got Stuart sink now twice a victor only Bryson DeChambeau has won multiple times this year as well. I mean, are the old guys getting better too? Like I, it just seems like everybody's getting better. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody is getting better. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, and this is a, it's a great place to be when you see Stuart sink drive it as long as he drove it this week. And again, this is a golf course where the driving distances go way down. So you got to take this with a little bit of a grain of salt, but for the two drives, there's two ways that they measure driving distance. You can measure every single drive, which is kind of the less official stat. And he averaged on every tee shot, he hit 287.4. That includes irons off the tee, three woods. You know, it includes every tee shot except par threes. And and Harbor Town's kind of a weird place to do that as well, because there's a lot of places you're just playing to the dog leg or whatever. Exactly. So that one, especially this week, there are times when that stat gives you something. It tells you yep. if somebody was over, like when I look at that, Rick, um, and tell me if, if you disagree or do something different, I look 
look at that one when somebody is really long in all drives hit and not really long in the two measured drives hit, it tells me that they hit a lot of driver. It's an, it's an aggressive strategy, right? So, right. Um, but in this case, he was fifth in all drives. He was third in the two measured drives. So the more official stat, when you see Bryson's driving numbers, it's on in every round, they're measuring two tee shots that you mm-hmm. hit and they try to find holes that it's going to be a driver. It's most likely a Yeah, and five. they're two different directions so that you're getting wind. They're not exactly. both wind-aided or whatever. Yeah. So they try to get as level a playing surface as possible. And Stuart Sink was averaging for the week uh, 311.9. So he's hitting it a really long way. Hit a number of tee shots right down the middle that were 310, 315 during the week. And, um, and that puts you right in play. All of a sudden now... It, Age is no longer a factor. Age is a factor when you can't reach par fives, when you lose distance, things like that. And, and Stuart Sink still has all that capability. So at that point, now it becomes a strategy game and he has the tools to compete with a Colin Morikawa. He's probably long. I mean, I would bet you anything. He's longer than Morikawa for the week um, and probably longer on the year on tour. So, you know, he's got all the tools to compete. And, um, and yes, the older players are definitely getting better and they definitely believe that they can win. Uh, and this is just another example of why. Yeah. And we talked about this on Monday when we, when we did the DFS preview, I was stunned uh, with how long Stewart sink was. He's 29th on tour in driving distance this season. He's ahead of Tony Finau, who we say is a bomber, right? Right. Like we say he's a bomber. Colin Morikawa, uh, to your point, Greg, he ranks 131st this season in close. that stat, not even close. The runners up, uh, it's going to end up being Emiliano Grillo and Harold Varner III. For Emiliano, this is his best finish since a T2 at the CIMB Classic in 2018. And for HV3, uh, this is his best finish on the PGA Tour, a T2. So uh, a couple of guys that I think are probably more popular in the fantasy circles than maybe like the real overall golf circles. But uh, these guys moved up the leaderboard on Sunday and are going to earn themselves T2 money. Yeah, which it, it was both of both of them had really nice days. Emiliano Grillo got off to a good start, and he was probably the one guy that after the first, you know, after Morikawa made bogey at two, you kind of got a sense that it wasn't going to be his day. Grillo was the last leg. He's probably the guy Stuart Sink was watching once he realized he had once he realized Morikawa wasn't going to be the guy to really charge. Um, that was probably the next guy he was circling. I found it really interesting. At one point, you had um, you had HV three moving up the leaderboard. Who hit his opening tee shot out of bounds today? By the way, <laughs> yes, he um, did. <laughs> and Stuart and Stuart Sink hit his first tee shot of the tournament into the water. So I find that quite interesting. Amazing. Guys in first and second did that. Um, but but anyway, you had Varner, you had Grillo, you had Connors, and you had Morikawa all stacked up on the leaderboard right behind right behind Stuart Sink. And it was it was team no putt. And I was looking at it and say, which one of these guys is gonna be able to who who's gonna charge? Because they're hitting great shots, they're hitting it on the greens, and but they're just not getting they're not getting hot with the putter right now, and they're not filling it up on the greens, and it's going to be really hard for anyone to come back. So really nice performances from Varner and Grillo. Uh, I think it it spoke to what kind of player does really well at this golf course, um, which is really solid iron play, and they were solid around the greens too. I mean, um, Grillo 
was, I'm sorry, Varner was sixth strokes game putting for the week. So a really nice putting week for him, but, um, but he's in that team, no putt category to me. It's certainly true there. Uh, okay. It's time. The, the curious case of Colin Morikawa on Sunday, I let, let me set the table for you. You know, he entered the final round, uh, a hair, a tiny hair better than Stuart sink in strokes gain. T Green, he led the field in strokes gain T Green through three rounds. We were setting up. This was the only guy who could probably chase down Stuart Sink without a Stuart Sink implosion. Uh, he goes out and he birdies number one, Greg, and cuts immediately into the lead. He cuts it to four. And I'm thinking, oh, baby, here we go. It's about to happen. And then Morikawa bogeys number two. That's the easiest hole on the course. He missed a four footer for par. He misses another short one. On number four, that one was three feet, six inches. And there was just no vibes out there for Morikawa all day. I, I think that um, statistically, it is not going to be one of his worst rounds ever. He lost nearly two strokes to the field. It was it was bad, but it's not going to be one of his worst. But it felt worse than that, Greg. I mean, the, put, the putts never looked close. Um, he laid up on nine and hit it into the, into the pine straw, which is like devastating. I just, there was... There was nothing. There was just no juice at all. You need uh, momentum uh, to really make a charge. Like it's one of the, it's one of those things when you just feel like you got nothing and there's no way you can make a birdie. And it comes from short putts. Like you miss the putt, you miss it that he missed at number two, and all of a sudden it feels like it feels really hard. Like I have to hold it to make a birdie. It's really hard and it puts pressure on the on every other part of your game. It may not on Thursday, it may not on Friday, it may not on Saturday, but when you're four or five shots back, the way he was chasing Stuart Sink, you feel like you got to get you got to get going. Like you got to you can't wait for him to make a mistake not on that golf course when there's trouble out there. Yeah, but it's not like you're playing TPC Sawgrass or uh or Augusta National where it, it's known for disaster. You're not, you can't wait for that. So you got to go out there and make some birdies. And when you miss a putt like that, now it feels like you got to not only make a birdie to recover the short putt you just missed on number two, but you got to make another birdie on top of that to just get one back on Stuart Sink. So you're constantly behind the eight ball and it puts pressure on every part of your game. And as holes go by and you hit another, you hit a bad shot, you hit another, it's just not quite there, not quite close enough for birdie. Uh, The putt doesn't have the right speed to it. Now you feel like you just have nothing and there's no way that you can come back and it gets, it gets hard to focus. I, I, I like the idea of, I don't like the idea of that. I feel bad about that, but like the idea of you're missing short putts, the, the pressure that it puts on the rest of your game. And I think the best illustration of that for Morikawa on Sunday is when he hits his approach on the par five fifth into the green side bunker. And this is, he's already missed two short putts. This is a pretty straightforward shot, Greg. I mean, this is a lot of green to work with. He is a professional. We have seen him dazzle out of the sands before, and he can't even get it to hold the green. He flies it over the, he doesn't fly it over the top. It lands on, it rolls off the back. And I'm wondering if that's a situation where he's got those two short missed putts in his brain and he's trying to be perfect. He's trying to not get dead. He either misses it a groove or misses a spot or whatever happens. And, and that's putting pressure on the rest of your game. 
Right. You're, you're in that sense, you're in that space where you're, you have to, you feel like you have to make it happen. You're not allowing it to come to you, which at the PGA championship, when he won, he was allowing it to come to him. Uh, when, when he won it, um, at concession, he was allowing it to come to him. And a, a great example is what he did on 16. He, he got to 16 or 14. We'll go, but go back to the PGA championship on hole 14. And he has that. And he says, this is, oh, this is very makeable. He gets up to it and he, and he looks at it and he says, yeah, I like this shot. And he, that happened because that's just what happened when he got there. It, it wasn't, okay, I got to make one now. And I forced it. it. It wasn't like, and then he gets up to 16. Their plan is to lay up all week. And he says, this yeah. is just a perfect driver. It's perfect. Let's hit right. it. Why not? And there's, it's a completely different attitude than, okay, I'm two back. I need to make an Eagle here. Then I got to go birdie, birdie, birdie. And then I'll be within one or, or whatever. However you want it. You're not playing that game. You're just playing right. the shot at hand. And it's a, it's called the zone and it's not an easy place to get to. And he wasn't able to get there today. I don't hold anything against it. I, I do think the putter is something he's got to work on because that gets you out of the zone in an instant when you've done what you're supposed to do and you're not able to, to seal the deal. That's frustrating. So he's got to figure that out, but I think he will. It's also much more devastating when he's so dialed in with the rest of his game, right? When this guy's constantly putting himself to 8, 10, 12, 16 feet, whatever, and he's just coughing up strokes with the flat stick, whether he's not making the 50-50 ones, right? We know it's only 50% when you're at 8 feet, whether he's just constantly missing those or whether he's missing the three or four footers. Like It just must be even more frustrating when you're doing it more often because you're putting yourself in that position more often. What can I do? That's the question. You start, what do I have to do to make a birdie? How, what, what can I do? And it, it is concerned. I think this is um, a little bit of what happened with Rory McIlroy. Feels like, okay, I have to be so perfect with my approach game. And then it gets that you force it a little bit and you don't let it come to you and you feel like you need to force birdies and they become much harder to gain. I mean, he lost Rick after round one. Uh, uh, 1.6, 1.9, and nearly 1.3 on the greens. Then the, the yeah. remaining three days, and it you're gonna that's exhausting. I'm sorry, that's exhausting to come in T seven and dump away that many strokes putting in each of those rounds, and still go in in second place on Sunday. You're going into that round in second place. It's impressive. I can't remember the last time he has um, hit his tee shot on a par three into the water like he did on 14. Again, that's anecdotal because I just literally can't remember it. There were only seven balls in the water there uh, on Sunday. Colin Morikawa, one of them, not great. Um, before we go to break, because you talk, we're talking a lot about putting, I want to read you this great quote because, Greg, if you noticed... The number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson, made a putter change uh, on, I think he did it on Sunday. I don't know if he went with it Saturday either, but he was asked after the round on Sunday, uh, what is that putter? And Dustin Johnson gave us an all-timer. He said, and I quote, I don't even know what it's called. It's tailor-made. <laughs> which is like, <laughs> which is like, these guys know every detail groove waiting what's like literally everything about it and this is such a dj quote to not even know and i actually think i'm gonna pull his putting numbers uh right now he gained three strokes putting on sunday so he doesn't know what it is but he likes it i'm telling you rick dj i i'm glad you brought this up 
because and, and I know we want to get to a break. I know we're we're going to be tight tonight, but this is important because DJ is a guy who last year, if you remember correctly, he putted with some other tailor-made putter who knows what it was he putted with he something at the travelers right and it was a blade style putter um with a funny looking neck and he shot 61 and he won the travelers then he goes and shoots 80 80 78 and switches back to the putter that he's been using ever since which is that mallet that black mallet putter that he uses goes on another tear this one lasts a while anyway his brother says I'm never letting him switch putters again. This is the putter. And and I, I really wonder, a couple of weeks ago, um, after during the Florida swing, I was saying, DJ needs a putter switch. I was talking to, I think I said it on course record. I said, DJ needs a putter switch. Not, not because this putter doesn't work anymore, but he putts really well with things that are new. When something's new, he gets Correct. it going really well. And then, yeah. so he needs to, he needs to, to shift. He can't be afraid of put something else in, see how it works. And you can always go back to, like Tiger always knows that he has that his gamer is his gamer. He can try something. He can always go back. DJ, you can always go back. Don't be afraid to switch it up because it creates a spark for him. So, uh, yeah, I'd be watching out for him at the PGA. Uh, yes, I certainly agree. He likes what is new. That is for sure. Okay, we've got to do a one and done update. And then I have a little bit of news about next week because next week is a very interesting event that we have on the PGA Tour. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. Okay, Greg, we got to do our little one and done update. And there wasn't a ton of movement. I'm going to start at the bottom as I always do with Coach, who actually wins the week with Webb Simpson. Nope, I lied. He does not win the week, but he comes close. He gets $186,000 from Webb Simpson. It moves him to $2.4 million. Uh, Webb did not have a great Sunday. He, fi- he flies up the leaderboard on Saturday and he ends up shooting a one under 70 on Sunday. He finishes T nine earns coach 186,000. Um, yeah. Webb has been mm. just not quite 
the on fire web that we saw last year. Um, so it's a little bit disappointing. This is definitely a good week to play web. I, I think everybody, and I'm included in this, who has played web when we get to Wyndham, we're all going to be a little bit disappointed, but it is what it is. Webb Simpson lost strokes putting this week. That's probably not a sentence I have said often without going back through the logs and seeing the last time that happened. Like, I feel like I'd never say that. (laughs) Yeah, it's been rare. He's been really consistent with the putter. Um, But his iron play this year hasn't quite been as as sharp. Last year, it was so good. It was one of the best iron players on tour. And I think that's the thing that's kind of fallen back to average, maybe, maybe a little bit. I mean, it's still really good, but I think he's 86th on tour approach Mm. the green. Last year, he was fifth. So that's that area has fallen off for him a little bit this year. Producer Jacob is going to end the week with 2.8 million. He got $87,000 from Abraham answer who again, kind of similarly plays super well on Friday, gives us all a scare, goes back to back seventies on the weekend. He is going to finish T 18. And this is another great spot for Abraham answer. You talk about the fit for Webb Simpson. It was answer who finished runner up to him last year and answer continues his kind of stretch of uh, hitting it really well, but struggling to get that putter going recently it's yeah they're just not going in for him right now which is frustrating and he he's a very nice ball striker he's very good especially on a golf course like this but he he's not morikawa he's not gaining in the ways some of these other guys can't john rom colin morikawa there are a couple of guys that can gain crazy amounts t to green and if the putter's cool it means they come in t9 or t7 abraham answers not quite at that level it is you, Greg, along with Kyle Porter, who win the week. Matthew Fitzpatrick earned both of you $298,000. It's going to move Kyle's total for the season to $5.4 million. It's going to move your total to $5.6 million. And outside of his opening round 71, Fitzpatrick was awesome. Shot rounds of 64, 68, 68. This continues a trend of him just like getting the ball in the cup and finishing in the top 10. He is, he has had the most under the radar, awesome last, like six or seven starts on tour. It really has been great. I I mean, I I don't know the exact amount number, but at least since the West coast, it it started, it may have started before Genesis, right? It's been a while where he's been playing some really, really solid golf. Augusta national is not a great golf course for him. In my opinion, I, I don't think he, um, has the trajectory that 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 place kind of requires, but he played great and he continues to play really well. And then he and then he goes to a place like this that he loves and it's perfect. This is perfect for Matthew Fitzpatrick. He's got to mm-hmm. have this one circled on his calendar. It wouldn't surprise me if he had a Luke Donald type career at the RBC Heritage because it, it's a it's a great place for him. It suits his game. It highlights all of his strengths. So it, it was nice to get a T four out of him I, if, at the beginning of the year. If he said you're going to take Matt Fitzpatrick once and you're going to get a T four. I, I would uh, I would definitely take that at the beginning. Yeah, you're, if you're going to get three hundred thousand out of Matt Fitzpatrick, you take it and run. This goes back even further than that. So I'll say it goes back to Dubai. He won the DP World Tour in Europe uh, one of the last weeks of 2020. He then took five or six weeks off. He missed the cut in Dubai. Then he had a top twenty. Uh, at the Omega. He had a T5 at Genesis, a T11 at the Workday, a T10 at API, a T9 at the Players. He almost made it out of his group, I believe, in the match play, but did not. And then he finished T34 at the Masters. Not a great fit for him. And then this T4 here. I mean, that's a that's about as good as you can get without a victory. I mean, I guess he had, he had a European Tour victory. 
Yeah, it, it's very well-rounded. It's a yeah. very well-rounded game right now. So, yeah, I'm happy for him. Happy to see it. I hope it can continue. I, I really do. So, um, not, a nice player playing some really good golf right now. Mark gets 87000 from Matt Kuchar to move his season-long total to $6.5 million. Kuchar was rolling along. We know he's had a lot of success at this place. He was even rolling along a bit on Sunday until he got to the 14th tee, and he was, uh, he was not one of these guys to hit the ball in the water, but he still found a way to make a double. He's going to finish T18, and he's going to earn Mark 87 k yeah, it's uh, more than I'd like to see Mark make, but um, <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure he's a little disappointed when you're playing Matt Kuchar in that spot. You're expecting him to have a great week because he is in good form and loves the golf course. So it's probably a little disappointing for Mark, um, but I think the rest of us are are not too disappointed. If it makes you feel any better, I only got $18,957 from Ian Poulter to move my total a hair over $8 million for the season. And Greg, I was ready, man. I was ready to come on here because if, if this golf tournament was 27 holes, if it was 27 holes, Ian Poulter would have won it. He was absolutely lights out. He shot a 69 on Thursday. He went out on his first nine on uh, on Friday, played him at five under. I was feeling it. I was rocking and rolling. And then it just kind of wheels, wheels fell off for Pulse. Um, the good thing is, and you know, if, if I wasn't such a Poulter fan, I'd be wishing that was zero. I'd say he made 18,000 more than he should have. Rick, but, uh, <laughs> he, he did. Uh, yeah, he did. All right. So I, I would say with Ian Poulter again, it's not a, a guy at the beginning of the year. You would say, I'm, I got to play Ian Poulter this year. Right. Um, so, you know, it's not too big of a loss the week before, but you get zero out of DJ. That's the one that really hurts, but you get You get something out of Ian Poulter. It's a risk that, you know, it didn't pan out, but it didn't kill you. You're still in the driver's seat. I'm still licking my wounds from that DJ goose egg, but we got to figure out what we're going to do for next week. I don't know if we have chatted about our rules for this. I assume we're going to take one golfer and get access to the other golfer because we got Zura classic coming up, Greg. It's a team event. It's the only team event that we get on the PGA tour. There are some very interesting pairings. We're going to be talking about them from a DFS angle and certainly from a just regular golf tournament storyline angle. But uh, I assume for one and done, we're just going to have to pick one of these guys and we'll just take whatever their final, you know, tally is. We have, before anything goes pub before like Tuesday's episode, we got to have this finalized. Cause it, that that's an, in, a very interesting option. And, yeah. um, it could change things it, that, that could change things. It, it, Cause it really opens up the field wide open. Yes. Um, so yeah, we'll have because- to, we'll have to get that ironed out. You could use Ryan Palmer and also get access to John Rom. That's what that's and what everybody's going to want to do. You could still play John Rom at the PGA and you could play wherever else you wanted. Correct. Oh, or you could. Um, Ooh, Jacob's now entering into the fray, saying, uh, <laughs> I, "I'm thinking you burn both for so chaos, <laughs> sake, which is always the angle that Jacob wants to take. Chaos. So you would have to burn. I don't even know if I have any of these guys available. I'm going to end up using uh, Scott Piercy and Akshay Batia because I'm not sure Ooh. who I have available. Dude, I, I would love to know. Like, I want a um, like 500 words on how all of these teams got together. Some of them are uh, amazing. 
They really, yeah, I, I agree. Some of them make perfect sense. And, yep. you, you know, you look at like Xander and Cantlay. And Kevin Kisner, Kevin Kisner and Scott Brown. They're buddies, right? Like yep. all of this makes sense. But some of them, I am scratching my head on how these two even possibly became partners. Yeah, I, I think I, there's a way where you can enter the event without a partner. And yeah. they pair, they'll they pair you up with somebody. Yeah. Um, which is how I think they, they fill that in, but it's very, you're right. It's very interesting. It's very fun to look at who, some of the parents, some of the odd parents, some that make sense, some that are, make you raise your eyebrows. So it, it's going to be a cool event. Uh, Jacob is, is probably right on this. He says, uh, most of them just have the same agent, <laughs> which is how they, yeah. which is how they get together. Okay. Real quick, before we get out of here, um, thinking about that event next week, do you think it's like, what do you want? Do you want guys with like co- like complementary skill sets? Do you want guys that just can get scorching? Because they're going to play foursomes, then four ball alternate rounds. So one round is going to be alternate shot. The other one, they're going to play their own ball and take the best score. It's kind of wonky. Oh, uh, I, I think um, you want to get guys that are playing really well. And if you can get two guys that are playing good golf right now, I think you have a chance. I, I, I'm not thinking that while alternate shot is important, to some degree, you're talking about playing two rounds of that. So Mm -hmm. it's not as, well, I need an accurate driver. I need a guy who's really accurate. You you need, I don't, I don't look at it that way. I think you need two guys that are playing some really good golf that can feed off of one another. I'd like them to be friends. I don't think I want, (laughs) uh, Akshay and who's Akshay playing with? Scott Scott Piercy. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm looking at that team circling it as talented as both of those guys are. Um, which Billy is Horschel, kind of interesting. Billy Horschel dumped, I guess he dumped Scott Piercy because Billy Horschel is the only guy who's won this event as an individual and as a team member. And he's not with Sam Burns. So he was like, Scott, you're gone. I'm going with somebody else this week. Um, yeah, I'm going with Sam Burns. And, that, and that's a good choice. I mean, that's yeah. one of the teams that team. I circled, right? Yeah, it's a good It's team. a really good team. If, if, yeah. uh, so I, I think it, yeah. Are you looking, Rick, for like a little bit of matching, a little bit of uh, he's really fiery, he's really calm, he's really accurate, he's a bomber. Because yeah. there's a, Finau and Camp Champ, they got some power on that team. I hate that team though. I think I think they're too similar. I think they're, I think they're way too similar. Gotcha. I want, so you're looking I for like, a little balance. I'm looking for a little bit. I'll tell you who's going to win. So here's, here's what you do. It's, it's Chris Kirk and Brendan Todd, Chris Kirk t- gets you T to green. Todd can get hot. These guys are both playing well enough. Like that's a good, comfortable, very comfy pairing. And this is a chaos event. I know Palmer and, and Rom won it in 2019, but like you can get some really long shots. I mean, what Cam Smith, Jonas Blix won it one year. That was completely out of the blue. Even Scott Piercy and Billy Horschel, that would have not been, they would not have been one of the favorites. Like, I think, I think you want to go further down the board. You only have, uh, th- it started in 2017 was the there's first only three, year there's the only team, three years, right? Yeah. So you only yeah. have three, you only three teams have won and you just named them all. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you'd know enough that were guys playing, were there really big names playing? I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't covering the tour as, as regularly as I am now at that time when those first came out. So, and, and we missed last year, we didn't have it last year. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the Ryan Palmer year was really the first year i followed the event, Ryan Palmer and John Rom. So I, I have like a little, only a little bit of a, a database on this as you do too, as everybody does. So it's going to be interesting to see. 
I, I mean, is it? Because look, Rick, you have three winners so far. Two are long shots. One's a favorite. If you get a favorite, if Cantlay and Shoffley win this year, now you're at fifth. Now, now we're going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's a very small sample size. But I do think there's some really talented teams. I, I, I mean, and, well, and some gonna- interesting question marks about them. We're going to break it all down uh, in in DFS uh, for Monday. There is apparently going to be DraftKings contests where you are not going to be allowed to roster two guys from the same team. So we'll talk all about that. Uh, final note on this because I've been I've been deep in the Zurich Classic stuff already. Ryan Palmer might be like the most winning, the winningest player in the team version of this because not only did he win it with Rom, him and Spieth, I think in 2017 they finished like T4. So he might be like the winningest team player in this event. <laughs> He and he's playing great right now. And he's, he's and this is the best he's ever been. Yeah, this is yeah. the best form he's ever been in. Yeah, I mean, I think that team. You got to circle that team. They're they're the defense, but the fact that they had a year off in between, they have to be the favorite, the clear cut favorite. You got Cantlay coming off a missed cut, so the Shoffley Cantlay team is uh, maybe limping in a little bit. Ben on and Sung J M. That's cool. Sung J M had a tough day today. Um, so where are they going to be? I, I don't know. But you know what? Another team that really interests me. I know we got to go. I know we're way late. That's okay. Um, Bubba, Bubba Watson and Scotty Scheffler. I love right that there. team. That team is, what do we get? Because Bubba's been a nice, a pleasant surprise for me. And he's won here. The other, the other interesting thing about this format is if you can get guys who can just get like go super hot for four or five holes at a time and they kind of do it at different times. You could like, they can post, you kind of want the streaky guys and Watson Scheffler. I, I love that team. Yeah. yeah I think that's, that's your volatility. You that, yeah. Jacob, Jacob sitting there with that to embrace the chaos. Yeah, that's exactly right. I love that. Uh, all right. Obviously, I'm excited and ready for Zurich Classic. We're going to break it down for DFS on Monday. Greg will be back for that along with Sia Najad. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Let me thank Greg Ducharme. You can find on Twitter at the Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.